Welcome to Always Abounding. This podcast will encourage you as a believer to continue on and always abound in the work of the Lord. Now your host, Keith Stensis. Welcome once again to our podcast. This is your host, Brother Keith Stensis, here in the country of Uganda, East Africa, where, by the way, it is very, very warm. Amen. It is warm. It is nice. It is short sleeve weather. And I know that many of you listening to this podcast are now bundled up. You're in front of your fireplaces, your heaters, and your blankets. And I am so glad. I'm so glad I live in Uganda, East Africa, because I am not a cold-natured person. I do not like the cold weather. I like the weather here in Uganda. And, uh, you know, really, uh, I I realize there's places you can go in this world where it's extremely hot and uh, it's extremely cold. Uh, But right here in Uganda, we're right on the equator. And uh, being right on the equator and at the elevation we are at, uh, we literally have 70, 80 degree weather all year round. And uh, so, hey, if you're looking to serve the Lord in a place where the weather is great, then uh, let me encourage you to come over. Hey, we can win souls to Jesus Christ every day and not be bothered by the weather. Amen. And uh, anyway, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse number 58, therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. And uh, that's what this podcast is about, teaching you, helping us to see and being encouraged to always abound in the work of the Lord. Uh, Always abounding means to go above average. Don't be like everybody else. Don't be like all the other churches. Don't be all like the other believers. Do what you can to increase and uh, do more for the cause of Jesus Christ. Do more. Uh, for the sake of the gospel, and uh, do that much more to reach souls with the gospel of Jesus Christ before it is eternally too late. And uh, we, and I, I face the same temptation that you face. Uh, there are times that you just feel like just sitting back and saying, "I'm just tired. I'm tired of fighting. I'm tired of the battle." And uh, but we've got to understand. Hey, you know, just gotta keep pressing on and uh, keep moving on. Uh, The Lord's coming back soon. And uh, even if he doesn't, uh, we've got heaven to look forward to for all of eternity, uh, eternal rest with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so now is not the time for that. Now is not the time for rest. Now's the time for look for more opportunities to serve the Lord Jesus Christ while we can and uh, making sure that we are influencing uh, people, whether they're lost or whether they're saved, influencing people for Christ. And I hope that that is your goal in your life. And I hope that you will determine in your life uh, that you will always abound in the work of the Lord. Well, things are going well here, and uh, we're so excited about serving the Lord here in Uganda. Continue to pray for our different ministries. Uh, Right now, because of the holidays, uh, we are on break as far as teaching. Um, We don't have any classes this month in our TBI, our Triennial Bible Institute, uh, in our Barnabas Baptist Bible Training Center, or in our uh, Baptist College. And so this is the uh, the December holiday break. And uh, coming up in January, uh, we'll have our first TBI, our Triennial Bible Institute, uh, for 2023. And uh, then February, we'll start our new terms for Barnabas Baptist Bible Training Center and for Masaka Baptist College. And so 
So right now we're just trying, I'm trying to get things uh, wound up as far as the building projects that we're involved in, uh, especially up in Calido, getting all that done. We've got our missions conference coming up this next week uh, here at uh, Masaka Independent Baptist Church. We'll be having all of our men that uh, we support, uh, uh, local national men that we support to go out and preach the gospel and start churches. We'll be having them in. Uh, Pastor John Jalugi uh, from uh, from Uganda Baptist Church in Tororo uh, is going to become our special speaker that week. So you be praying for our missions conference. Uh, starts on the 14th, on the 14th, and goes up to the 18th. And uh, so pray for our missions conference that God will speak to our hearts about what God would have our church to do uh, in missions next year. And, uh, and also maybe God will speak to someone's heart about uh, God calling them into missions as well and uh, reaching their own community with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I do not know, uh, to my knowledge, I don't know of any other independent Baptist church in Uganda that gives uh, as much to missions as Masaka Independent Baptist Church. And uh, and I, I give a, a lot of that credit uh, to uh, my home church, the emphasis we place on missions, the emphasis we place on missions giving. And uh, it just seems like every year God allows us to do so much. And, and we're working with people that don't have a lot of money. Uh, we're working with people that don't have a lot of possessions, and uh, but they can get excited about giving for the cause of Jesus Christ. And so pray really much about our missions conference and then just pray for our safety during the holidays. Um, There's a lot of thievery and things that go on and uh, during these times. And uh, so just pray for our safety, uh, personal safety, travel safety, uh, you know, anywhere you are in the world, uh, people, uh, you know, drunk driving and all that that happens during the holidays. And so pray for our safety. Uh, We'll be going down to my brother, my brother, Matt, uh, is a missionary down in Kasese, uh, Uganda. And uh, so we're going to be spending Christmas uh, with them. And uh, so looking forward to spending some time with family. And uh, that is one of the blessings that we have had uh, ever since we've been in Uganda is that we've always had some part of our family uh, here in the country. And uh, that has always been a blessing. Either my parents were here, uh, my brother Andrew and his wife were here for a short time, Matt and his wife are here, uh, my sister's here working with us here. And so that's just been an added blessing. A lot of missionaries uh, don't have that opportunity to have family here, and uh, but we have been blessed to to enjoy that privilege here. And so looking forward to a good month. It's going to be a great time. And uh, so you be praying for us. We'll be praying for you. And uh, as we take this month and uh, remember uh, the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and uh, remember uh, what he did and what he came to do on this earth for us. Amen. Well, let's quickly go to the book of James because Lord willing, I don't know how it's going to go. We'll just watch the time and see what happens. Uh, There's a lot to cover here, but uh, we'll just see how far we go. Uh, The last part of James here is, it's kind of, it's kind of interesting. It's just something that James kind of just puts out there. And, uh, and so it's, it's truth we know, and uh, it's inspired by God we know, but uh, you just wonder if there was maybe something, uh, maybe James, as he's finishing up the letter, he's thinking of different things that are coming to his mind uh, that he wants to uh, be sure to let the people know of. And uh, so he asks some questions here, and then he talks about uh, some issues that, uh, to be honest with you, have been very controversial. 
And uh, these issues have been controversial in uh, in churches that are not Baptist churches, but they've also been controversial in churches that are Baptist churches. And so let's just try to look at these verse by verse and just see what the Bible has for us here. And again, remember James, uh, the reason we're looking at the book of James, James is a book of practical Christian living, helping us to understand and be able to know how we're to live our lives as Christians in this world. And, uh, and through these principles, we can learn how we can always abound in the work of the Lord. Now, the Bible says here in verse number 13, is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. James chapter 5, verse number 13. Is any among you afflicted? All right, uh, afflicted uh, goes beyond just being sick. In other words, uh, afflictions can be uh, satanic. Afflictions can be circumstantial. Uh, afflictions can be fi- uh, physical, as far as your health and things like this. And so, what do you do when you come across times of affliction? Pray, and 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 really. <laughs> It's, it's, he doesn't elaborate anymore because there's no need to elaborate on that. If, you, if you're going through problems, if you're going through difficulties, if you're going through trials, the answer is not to figure it out. The answer is not to go to uh, your pastor and say, Pastor, what would you do here? You're, it, it, I'm not against, please don't misunderstand me, I'm not against getting advice and counsel from people, but it's amazing how many other things that we do and we don't do what he tells us to do. He says, if you're afflicted, pray, pray. What, what, what is your prayer life like? How much do you pray? And, and, and the, the sad thing is, is many times the reason why we don't think about praying when we go through trials and, and through tribulations and circumstances is because we have not developed a habit of praying. It's not a part of our life. It's not a part of our being. And and so whenever we go through a hardship and we go through a difficulty, the very last thing we think about is let's pray about it. Let's get on our knees. Let's talk to God about it. Let's let's see what uh, see how God can work through this. And so, not only do we need to get in the habit of praying, so that when we do face afflictions, that we get on our knees and and pray and talk to the Lord, but it also helps us to understand that we cannot do it without him. I, I tell people all the time when I teach about prayer, when, when you don't pray, though you are not saying this with your mouth necessarily, but when you do not pray, you are telling God, I've got this. I can take care of this. I can take care of life today. I don't need you. I don't need to ask for your grace. I don't need to ask for your wisdom. I, I don't need to ask for your help. I, I've got this, God. I can take care of this myself. You say, well, I would never say that. But you do say that when you do not have a life of prayer. Every single day of your life, there ought to be a time in your life that you set aside for prayer. Not, not just the times that you have affliction. And yes, he says when you're afflicted, pray. But, but I, don't, I don't want my children just coming and talking to me when they have problems. 
I, I want them to come to me. I want them to share their difficulties. I want them to share their problems with me. But that's not the only time I want them to come. I, I want them to come and fellowship with me. I want them to come and talk to me. I want them to uh, enjoy my presence. And that's, that's the same way with God. And so what, what is your prayer life like? Have you prayed today? Do you have that time that you've set aside each day for prayer? I, I was challenged in this a long time ago, and, and, and again, there's nothing in the Bible. There's no command that tells you that you have to pray uh, for a certain amount of time. But, but I was challenged, you know, when, when, when the Lord was talking to the disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he says, what? He says, could you not watch and pray with me for one hour? As if God was thinking, one hour? What is one hour to talk to our Heavenly Father? What is one hour uh, to, to talk to the Lord? And, and, you know, we always sing that song, sweet hour of prayer. And yet, I wonder how many of us truly spend an hour with God each day in prayer. And so I challenge myself in that. And, and again, I, I'm not a perfect example of this, and I don't want to put myself out there as a perfect example, but, but I endeavor, I, I do my level best to spend an hour a day with God in prayer. Could you not do that? I mean, God has given us 24 hours in a day. We can't give, we can't give one out of 24 to God. One out of 24 to just fellowship with our Heavenly Father? How, how much time do we spend watching a football game? How much time do we spend at work? How much time do we spend going out with activities and, 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 and uh, going hunting or going and playing tennis or, or, or whatever you do for activities? Boy, there's no problem giving hours and hours and hours and hours to those things. But then when, it, when somebody says, hey, why don't you pray for an hour? It's like, man, how in the world can I pray for an hour? The truth is we ought to feel shame. Shame on us if we can't pray for an hour. Shame on us if we don't have quality time with God each and every morning of our life. So he says, if any of, uh, among you afflicted, let him pray. That's the answer. It's, it's simple. It's to the point. There's no explanation. Get on your knees and pray. Take, the Bible says, casting all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. Pray. That's the answer. Well, that's just, uh, that just seems so simple. You know, I, I, maybe somebody else can help me here, or maybe somebody else can do this, or somebody. Just pray. Pray. Do we, do we really believe God? Do we really believe that God is there and that God can answer our prayers and that God can meet our needs? Or do we just say that with our mouth? Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Hey, life is good. Life is wonderful. Man, things are going well. The kids are healthy and, and uh, the job is, is working out well and the money is in the bank and, and uh, we're just having a happy time. We're having a wonderful time. He says, is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Praise the Lord through it. In other words, what he's saying is in the good times and the bad times, we ought to come to the Lord. If, if we need help through the hard times, if we need help through the afflictions, then let's, let's pray. 
But if we're having the good times, don't 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 just uh, assume that just because I'm having good times, I don't need God. Hey, uh, God is the God of the good times, and God is the God of the bad times. He's always good. I was hearing my brother preach the other Sunday about the goodness of God and how sometimes we associate the goodness of God with good times. No, God is always good. God cannot be not good. God cannot ever be mean. He cannot ever be bad. He is always good. But you and I, we look at life and we look at things that are comfortable things in life and things that are not comfortable things in life. And so we take those two things and we call them good or bad. And we think when life is very comfortable and life is going the way I want it to go, uh, then, man, this is wonderful. And many times those are the times that we get lackadaisical and those are the times that we fall back on our haunches and we, we, we tend to get lazy because all of a sudden, you know, everything's okay. And then a problem comes. And, oh, now I need God. No, life should be a continual, perpetual worship of God. In what we call the good times, the merry times, we ought to be praising God. In the times of affliction, in the times of difficulty, we ought to be on our knees in prayer to God. In other words, it's, it's continual worship. It's continually looking to God. It's continually understanding that that I am going through what I'm going through right now, whether it's a good time or a bad time, a merry time or an afflicted time. I am going through what I'm going through because God is allowing me to do that. And so when I need his help in the problems, I'm going to get on my knees and pray. When I'm having some good times and life is a little bit more comfortable, I'm going to praise him for it. I'm going to thank him for it. I'm uh, going to give him the glory for it, but in everything that I do, God gets the glory. God gets the glory. Is any among you afflicted? Pray. Is any among you merry? Sing psalms. Praise the Lord for it. Amen. Praise the Lord for it. And then in verse number 14, and and we're not going to get through all of this. I I know this right now. We'll, We'll probably have to take another podcast to finish. But he says, is any sick among you? Okay. Now, we know that the above affliction was not talking necessarily about sickness. It's talking about problems in general because now he gets specific and he's talking about sickness. Is any sick among you? Now, Again, remember, when you study the Word of God, it is vital in studying the Word of God that you look at the context of the passage, because if you do not read the context of the passage, you will misinterpret the passage. And these passages that we're going to read here are so often misinterpreted because they do, you do not look at the entire passage of Scripture. So let's read verses 14 up to verse number 18. Verse 14 verse through verse number 18. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. And let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick. And the Lord shall raise him up. 
And if he hath committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Elias was a man as subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and heaven brought, gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. Now, I, I want us to understand something here about sickness, all right? Sickness, and, and, and we, we're, we, we're living in a world today, uh, the charismatic movement is out there. Uh, that is encompassing so many. It, it's even starting to infiltrate uh, the the Baptist churches in Uganda. It's infiltrating the Catholic churches. It's infiltrating the Anglican churches. The charismatic movement is infiltrating every aspect. It's not just the Pentecostals anymore. The charismatic movement is infecting uh, religion all around the world. And to make a long story short, I'm not going to delve into this, but I believe that it is in preparation for the coming of the Antichrist who will do these miracles that these charismatics are claiming to do, though they are not doing them, when the Antichrist comes and does them for real, they will literally fall down and worship him. But we're not getting into that right now. But anyway, when we talk about sickness, understand sickness. God, I was reading a book the other day, a good, good book um, about the, uh, it was written by the nephew of Benny Hinn. And, uh, and he was exposing uh, what was going on in the Benny Hinn uh, corporation, the what in, in that faith healing movement, and this idea that that God does not want anyone to be sick, and God wants everybody to be healthy, and God wants everybody to be wealthy, and 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 all of that. That is just that you cannot find that in Scripture anywhere. All right, that is a man made thing. Now, so when I think about sickness, um, there are I find in the Bible three three reasons why people get sick. Okay, now, so he says in verse 14, is any sick among you? So let's figure out why is it that people get sick, all right? Number one, it is the natural result of the fall of man, okay? Um, by man came death, all right? Because of sin came death. The wages of sin is death, all right? Um, before the flood, men lived longer periods of time, and they lived to be six and seven and eight hundred years uh, uh, old. Uh, Methuselah lived nine hundred and sixty-nine years and long time, but eventually, life caught up and they died. All right, and uh, nowadays the Bible says the average age is seventy, maybe eighty. Um, and, and, and so, so death and sickness just comes as a natural byproduct of sin. All right. We were conceived in sin. We were born in sin. And so the result of sin is sickness and suffering and death. And so there is that natural result or that natural consequence of the fall of man. And so all of us are going to get sick. And many times the older you get, the more susceptible you are to sickness because uh, that's just the way it is. That's the way our sin-cursed world is. Now, number two, we find in John chapter 9, and uh, we also see this in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, 
that sometimes sickness is brought about for the glory of God, for the glory of God. God allows someone to be sick in order that he might get the glory. Remember the disciples asked um, uh, Jesus, you know, why, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his sin or his parents' sin that he was born blind? He said, not for either one. He said, but that the works of God may be made manifest. All right. God will get the glory one way or the other. And if it means allowing a person to get sick, how many times have we heard stories of people that have died and, 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 and we wonder why in the world were they taken in such a, a youthful state, a stage of life, or why in the world were they taken in that way? And then as a result of that, we hear of people who never would have gotten saved in any other way, but because of that death and because of that sickness, they came to know Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, you know, you remember Paul was sick. He prayed God three times, God, remove this sickness from me. And he says, no, I'm not going to remove it. But he says, my grace will be sufficient for you. And so Paul said, most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. God was getting the glory. God was able to show his power. God was able to show his strength in Paul's life because of that sickness. And then we find number three, that uh, sickness is a result of chastisement. Chastisement. Now, I believe, and we're going to get into this in detail here, but I believe that we must have an understanding of chastisement if we're going to have a full understanding of what the Bible is talking about here in James chapter 5. So let's go back to 1 Corinthians and chapter number 5. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, we find this man who was living in wicked, wicked fornication. And instead of putting this person out of the church like they should have, they were allowing this man to continue in the church and were glorying in the fact that he was in their church. And so what did Paul say? He says in verse number three, For I verily as absent in body but present in spirit have judged already as though I were present concerning him that hath done this thing. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together in my spirit with the power of the Lord Jesus Christ, watch this, to deliver such an one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Now, we have seen in the book of Job that God puts hedges of protection about his children, okay? Uh, the extent of that hedge, I, I can't fully explain, but the Bible, Satan says, hey, you're the one that's keeping, you put a hedge around Job, and so I can't get to him. And so God allowed that hedge to be moved in order to allow Satan uh, to bring that suffering in Job's life. And so God puts hedges of protection to some degree, to some category around each of his children, protecting his children, just like you and I would protect our children. And so what Paul said here is this brother who is not only living in sin, but living in pride and glorifying and, and literally exalting his sin, 
He says, I want you to deliver this one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. In other words, God will allow that hedge to be lifted up because of this person's sin, because this church has delivered this one over to Satan. God will lift that hedge for a brief period of time in order that Satan may have his way with the flesh to destroy the flesh. All right? Now, this man did not lose his salvation. The Bible very clearly says that uh, that his spirit would be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. So he didn't he didn't allow Satan to take his soul, but he allowed Satan to destroy his flesh. All right. Now, so we see that in First Corinthians chapter five. Now, if you go to First Corinthians chapter eleven, First Corinthians chapter eleven. And uh, we find here the Lord talking about the Lord's Supper and partaking of the Lord's Supper unworthily. The Bible says in verse number 27, Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh the damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. Now watch verse number 30. For this cause, what cause? Because they took, partook of the Lord's Supper unworthily, for this cause many are weak and what? Sickly among you, and many sleep. Some have even died. He says, many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. Now, <clears throat> so I want you to understand that God in his wisdom will not allow his child to continue in sin. All right? And so God will bring chastisement. All right? It may be to the extreme, as we saw in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, where he literally lifts up that hedge and allows Satan to destroy the flesh. Uh, it could be that he is allowing them to become weak and sickly. Uh, he's, he could be that he's allowing Satan to, uh, to literally destroy their, their, their bodies even to the point of death. But God will not allow his children to live in sin. Look in Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews and chapter number 12. We see him talking about chastisement. Verse number 5. And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. So there is a scourging that is involved. When a, when a child goes astray, when a child is doing wrong, when a child is transgressing, the father is going to scourge. The father is going to bring discipline. The father is going to bring chastisement because of that sin. Verse number seven. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? All right? Every father ought to chasten their son. 
Okay, he's assuming here. Now, unfortunately, we live in a world today where nobody wants to chasten their children anymore. We just want children just to run wild. Uh, I thank God. I thank God that I had parents that were willing to take me to the bedroom and take that 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 paddle and and whoop the fire to me when I needed it because they taught me that there's pain associated with sin. There's consequences associated with sin. That's what fathers ought to do. This thing of time out and go sit in the corner and 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 being grounded. Never one time in my life did my parents ever ground me. I thank God for that. I never grounded my children. I did what the Bible said. I took the rod and I took care of the problem at that time. That's what God says to do. Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction will drive it far from him. The rod will drive it far from him. And so so God says, I'm assuming here that as a father, a father is chastening his son because as you know your father chastens you, you'll better understand how I chasten you. Verse number eight. But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. You, If you say that you're saved and you can live in sin and you can do wrong and you can just live like the devil and nothing happens to you, you are an illegitimate child. You're claiming something that you're not because God says, I will chasten every son that I receive. Furthermore, verse number nine, furthermore, we have our fathers of our flesh, which corrected us and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit that he might be partakers of his holiness. Now, no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. So there are three benefits here to chastisement. There are three benefits here to, to discipline. It is for our profit. It is so that we might be partakers of his holiness. And number three, that we might yield the peaceable fruit of righteousness. Now, so... I'm about finished for today because we're not, I don't even want to get started on this until I have a fresh podcast to be able to do this. But the point that I want you to see here today is that God will use sickness, not all the time. Again, sometimes sickness is for his glory. Sometimes sickness is just a result of getting old and, and, and our bodies falling apart. That's just the way life is. But the Bible is very clear that God will use sickness and weakness and even to the point of death to chasten and bring his children back to where they need to be because God is just like you and just like myself as a father, I am not going to allow my children to continue in sin. And so when they do wrong, when they disobey, when they lie, when they rebel, I will bring them in, I will take the rod, I will administer the rod so that they understand there is consequences to sin. And that's what God will do to his children. Now the problem is this. The problem is this. 
Most churches, most churches in America, most churches around the world have no guts to take care of sin. We just let it go on. There's no fear of God. There's no, there's no bringing sin before the church. There's no, uh, there, there's no discipline practiced in the churches anymore. We, we have allowed sin to be so much a part of our culture. When, when's the last time you heard of a church practicing church discipline? When's the last time you heard of a church that, that saw sin in a person's life or maybe they're living in fornication or maybe they're living in adultery or maybe they're, uh, they're, they're doing this or that? What, whatever it is that they are living in sin and instead of the church taking care of it, Instead, and that's what that's what Paul was rebuking the church at Corinth for was because instead of getting rid of the problem, they were walking around in pride, saying, you know, they were puffed up about it. And so we we've we've gotten away from a knowledge of sin, we've gotten away from an understanding of sin, and we've just we've just learned to tolerate it. We've learned to let people live how they want to live. And our churches have gotten to such a state where if a pastor even started church discipline on things, where's he going to stop? And so we've become, we've become so infiltrated by sin in many of our churches, pastors don't want to do anything about it because you're opening Pandora's box and the church is just going to blow up because we've allowed it to continue. God says, I will, I will chasten my children. I will, I will bring them to an understanding that I will not allow my children to live in sin. Now, I've gone way past time today. But let's just end today with the understanding that this sickness that he is talking about in this chapter, we're going to see this in these next few verses, is not the type of sickness that is a natural result of the fall of man. You don't bring people to the elders of the church just because a person has cancer or because a person has this problem or a person has this problem. You don't bring a person to the church to find out, you know, uh, we want this person healed. Does anybody in our church have the gift of healing? Or That's not what he's doing. The purpose of bringing the church or bringing this sick person to the elders of the church is to determine if there is sin involved. And if there is sin involved, then we are going to confess it, we are going to forsake it, and God says, if you'll do that, I will heal you. Amen? Now, we'll get into that more in detail in the next podcast, and Lord willing, uh, we'll finish up the book of James at that time. Thank you so much. I know there's literally hundreds of thousands of podcasts out there uh, that you could choose to listen to. And uh, I appreciate you taking the time to listen to this podcast. And I hope and pray uh, that it will be an encouragement and a help to you and your family. And once again, if you can, uh, if you can mention it to your friends and family, I'd sure like to increase our listenership more and uh, let more and more people know about what God is doing here in Uganda, as well as trying to encourage them to always abound in the work of the Lord. Amen. If you've not done so already, let me encourage you to subscribe to our podcast on any of whatever platform uh, that you use to listen to 
to podcast, I would encourage you uh, to subscribe to that so that every Friday it comes to your device and uh, you can listen, get an update on what God's doing here in Uganda, as well as be encouraged to always abound in the work of the Lord. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse number 58, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. God bless you so much. Have a wonderful day, and we look forward to seeing you next week. We want to thank you for listening today. We trust that this podcast was an encouragement to you to always abound in the work of the Lord. For more information about your host or simply contact us, visit kstensisfamily.com.